0: You're listening to episode 95 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. So,
1: listeners, pals, uh, we heard your we heard your requests, we read your emails, we saw the comments, and Sean and I have finally made the decision to just get this show down to the bare essentials. We've trimmed the fat. Everybody else is fired.
0: <laughs> Listen, uh, it was a not very difficult decision to make. Uh, but we evaluated, you know, the show itself and your feedback and everything else. And we realized, you know what? We really don't need those three. So Pete and I are going to do this on our own because we provide the best entertainment for your dollar.
1: This is the best sports entertainment podcast <sighs> in, the, in the, the podcast verse. Because <laughs> we're just so good at it that we might as well be called athletes,
0: you know? Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, the mental gymnastics that I do on a weekly basis, uh, dealing with the likes of Kale, well, I mean, weekly and Kale, don't go hand in hand, uh, (laughs) and Phil and Marco, um, you know, listen, it's, it's definitely made me a lean, mean fighting machine. And that's why we
1: brought them on for the first, you know, 90-some-odd episodes was so that you and I could really just sharpen our skills by dealing with such hacks every week, you know?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, it's a, it's an interesting week. Just Pete and I, uh, this time around, we've done this before, and it's always fun. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I do want to start with some plugs, as usual, let you guys know. Where in the world you can find us? We are the Comics Pals all over the place. We're on podcast hosting platforms such as Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So whatever it is that you choose to listen to us on, make sure to leave us that like on that platform. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold, so hit us up on there. You can write to us at thecomicspals@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Hit us up with uh, random question of the week, buy or sell, all that kind of jazz. And last but not least, we're on YouTube, where if you are checking us out on YouTube right now, make sure to leave a like for this video. Hit us with a comment uh, with your thoughts on what we discuss here. Share with your friends, which helps us out a ton. And the most important thing you can do is hit that subscribe button. Even if you are not listening on YouTube right now, head over look for us youtube.com slash the comics pals hit the subscribe button helps out a lot and if you've never been there before there is exclusive content for you to check out so you don't want to miss out on all that good stuff
1: yeah go check out some of our cool creator interviews or some of the fun stuff we've done when we've hit up uh conventions like new york comic-con or wizard world philadelphia we always do some really cool stuff there so if you've never been on our youtube channel go check that stuff
0: out that's right it's a lot of fun uh so before we move forward Even though Kale is, you know, excommunicated from the show, uh, we wish him well in his future endeavors. And so we want to plug one of his future endeavors right now. So Pete, go ahead. Yeah, so
1: Kale uh, is currently a part of a horror anthology called Screams Heard Round the World. It's over on Kickstarter right now. As of this uh, recording, they have already uh, passed their initial goal, so they're into the stretch goals right now, which is awesome. Uh, So they've got 10 days to go, so by the time this publishes, you should still have at least a solid week to go and pledge. Uh, Kale would really appreciate you throwing your support behind the book. Uh, It's his first published work in a while. He's really excited about it, and uh, it would mean a lot for him uh, if you guys went and checked it out, and um, a lot to us, too. So go, uh, go show your support. Uh, screams heard round the world, and uh, it's by Lindsay Moore on Kickstarter. So that, that should be enough
0: information for you to find it with a simple Google search. Now, I made the mistake just now of uh, – so I have the, the Kickstarter page pulled up. I made the mistake of beginning the, the Kickstarter video that they have here. Uh-huh. Uh with my volume all the way up because, you know, I'm doing a podcast, <laughs> I want to hear you. And it immediately starts, the video does, with a loud scream. So, oh my god, why, guys? <laughs> you know, when, yeah. when you do go check this out, just lower your volume a tad. Uh, but what you will find is some really nice art um, that showcases what I imagine is a very cool uh, horror anthology. So definitely worth your time uh, checking out and uh, there's some cool stretch goals here as well, so you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna be a part of this. Um. So, Pete, there's a lot Sean. to talk about this week. I'm very excited to get into all the all the big news that we've got to talk about here. I do just wanna quickly go over my pals poll. Uh, uh this week I'm talking Detective Comics, specifically Detective Comics. 987. gone. Detective Comics is fast approaching number 1,000. Which, you know, we just had Action Comics 1,000 uh, earlier this year. And that was a huge milestone. This one is a little more important to me. It's Batman. Uh, and so, as we move forward, Detective Comics is without a, a regular writer... Brian Edward Hill has been filling in, doing an absolutely phenomenal job. Um, for those of you who don't know him, uh, he's he wrote Postal, which is a really awesome oh, cool. comic. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so now he's kind of trying to make his way into the big two. He's done some Marvel stuff as well. Right now he's working on Detective Comics. And uh, I just can't get enough of this book. Uh, under his tutel- or under his uh, his hand, uh, he also wrote the Hong Kong Fui Black Lightning. Oh, special. cool! Yeah, wow. did you did you read that?
1: No, I was really excited about it. I remember Kale was like uh, was really singing, um, you know, uh, its praises.
0: Yeah, it's it's excellent. So the reason why I really want to shout this out um, is also because it's really good. But he's a he's he's a black writer and. I didn't know that yeah you don't really get a ton of 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 black writers in mainstream comics so to see one uh not only writing batman but doing such a good job uh feels really good to be able to read this book and support this book and feel genuinely good about it
1: that's awesome man i'm i'm really glad um especially like you know you're such a huge batman fan um and i feel like that Like you said, he's done other Big Two stuff, but knowing, like, I've never read Postal, but knowing what Postal is, you know, like, Batman kind of seems like a good step for him. You know, like, it seems like a natural choice.
0: Yeah, and it's also, you know, Detective Comics uh, just came off James Tinian's huge run, and now they're kind of just, you know, going through the motions until they find the next writer who's going to stay there for a while, So, he's getting an opportunity to tell a story that, you know, isn't a part of the bigger tapestry, right? So, he can kind of do what he wants to do, and that makes it a lot of fun. Um, So, I I just wanted to shout it out, because uh, I'm I'm excited for him and what he's doing, so. That's cool, man. Maybe I'll check that out, because, like, since it's, like,
1: out of continuity, it's, like, a self-contained narrative. It's, like, I could probably just jump in and read just what he's done. Um, So... It, the fact that you're giving it such high praise—that sounds uh, sounds like an uh, an easy thing to want to pick up.
0: Yeah, like you 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 literally don't have to know anything else other than he's you know the writer, uh, right? Uh, you're obviously familiar with all the. All all the side characters, so. Yeah, like, I know
1: Batman's universe well enough to just pick up a story, you know, that's, like, all you need to know is, like, the players. And then just, like, let's start at one. And, like, I can definitely do that and roll with it. So, maybe I'll give it a shot. I've never, because, like, I've never really read Detective Comics, you know? Like, I'm sure I've read runs that have taken place in Detective Comics, but it's never been through that lens, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: What was the last Batman story you read? Uh, the one we did for the book club. Oh yeah, gothic. I, okay. Yeah. Uh, prior. to Before that, that. Yeah.
1: I would say uh, Tom King's Batman. I've read the first. I want to say twenty issues. Right, right,
0: right, right. Because we read remember. the
1: first. We read the first twelve for a book club previously, and then I kept reading it, and then just kind of like fell out of it, you know. Yeah. Um. So, but that's that's the most, and like obviously that's like current, so that's the most recent thing. But before that. I couldn't even tell you what the like most modern Batman run I read was. I wow. guess maybe the uh, – was it 2013 or 2014 where the Joker had his face removed, all that stuff? That was Snyder, Snyder, right? Yeah. 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 So I I read that arc as well when, okay. it was like, when it was coming out.
0: Wow. Wow. That was a long time ago.
1: Yeah. It's like four or five years ago.
0: Just not care about Batman, or...? Uh, it's not that I don't care about
1: Batman, it's just that before I started doing this show, I was really never a DC guy. And it's, like, not that I didn't like Batman, it's just that I generally read Batman in trades, you know? It would be, somebody would be like, yo, this is a great Batman story, and I'd be like, okay, cool, I'll read that, and I would enjoy it, and then wait for the next recommendation. You know, like... Andy was always kind of the guy who was just like, you've got to read this Batman book. And I'd be like, cool. And it would be like, that was great. And maybe I'd seek out a few other things. Like, you know, I read like stuff like Long Halloween on my own. I read Killing Joke on my own because they were like, oh, these are all time greats. You've got to read them. It's like, okay, cool. But I've never read any DC comic that wasn't all new Superman month to month. Um, Or at least like superheroes. Right. You know, like, I read, I read, I read Flintstones and uh, some of the Hanna-Barbera stuff, like, uh, I read, like, the first arc of Future Quest, you know, but, like, it's scattered shit, you know, it's definitely not something I've ever really engaged with in, like, a serious way, like,
0: month to month. So I know that uh, over the last year and change, you've kind of delved more into DC. Uh, are you interested in, in their backlog? Do you care about the older stories?
1: Yes. Um, there's a bunch of like, be- like, like, I've never read like Kingdom Come, you know, where it's oh. like, I, like, I, I want to go back and fill some of those gaps, you know, and like some of like the crisis events and stuff like that. Like, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of some of them, you know, I've read excerpts for like when I was working at CBR and I needed to do research, but I haven't really, really read any of the major events. And there's some of the like seminal runs that I really want to go back and, have the experience with because, you know, I think, like, I – sometimes I always, like – I want to be able to, like, contribute to those conversations on this show, for one thing. Um, But it's also the fact that, like, I've developed a more sincere interest in more characters besides Batman. And, like, in general, um, I definitely – not that I, I dislike Batman at all. Like, I don't have any, like, negative connotations towards him. But I've read and watched and played and consumed so many Batman stories that I'm, like, aside from Tom's King, Tom King's Batman because I love Tom King – I'm not super motivated to read more Batman, whereas I am super motivated to want to, like, go and read, like, all of, uh, you know, Greg Rucka's run on, like, Wonder Woman because you liked it so much. And I got so into Wonder Woman, you know, last year when we were doing some of those readings. So, I and, like, I want to go back and read some of, like, Phil's favorite Superman runs, you know, and just, like, get those experiences because they're, you know, apparently all-time greats and they're just stuff I've never read, you know, and, like... It's it's uh, it's easy to want to read that stuff now that I've gotten, like, my feet wet a little bit, you know? It doesn't seem as, like, intimidating, you know? Because it's just, like, this thing of I have no concept of the history and it's super complicated and, like, there's all of this stuff I have to get through. But, like, I did so much of that kind of preliminary research and, like, understanding while I was, like, doing research for stuff at CBR. And it was just, like you know, oh, this is actually really interesting to me now, and I, I have a reason to want to go back and read it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think with DC, it's always kind of like that. When I started reading DC Comics, I um, I was intimidated as well. And I really just started with Batman because I love Batman. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to buy this and just go for it. But the wider DC stuff was, like, too much. Um and I i mean, it took me years to really be able to say that I love DC Comics as a whole, not just the Batman stuff and the occasional, you know, whatever else. Right. Um, and I think, trying to, trying to pinpoint what really did it. Um, believe it or not, I think for me, the answer is actually the new 52. Just hmm. because, yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so... Flashpoint was the first event that I read that felt, like, larger than just the regular run-of-the-mill stories that were happening. Um, uh, Final Crisis was a big story, but it was way too crazy for me to understand, and uh, I, really, I really, like, was only engaged with Batman at that time. Yeah. Um, so it was too much for me. Flashpoint was when I was like I understood what was going on I was able to follow it and it felt oh man I'm embedded and then the new 52 came out and I was on top of it but it also felt like a reboot that I could uh, grasp onto in some ways for characters that I, I had never read before I never read Superman never read Wonder Woman never read Flash right never read Green Lantern really uh, outside of smaller like stuff, um, right? And then I got into the Jeff Johns run, but after it had already been in the throes. Um, so that was when I really considered myself like a, a DC fan. And then Jeff Johns Justice League took me over the edge. That was it.
1: Yeah, and, and I think I think I'm kind of in the process of that tipping point still. You know, yeah. of like I definitely. Um, like, I, like, a lot of my friends are still, like, definitely really, like, Marvel people, you know? Um, And now I find myself being the guy when we talk about comics being, like, going to bat for DC. Like, yo, like, DC stuff's really cool right now. And, like, you know, like, I've read some really good, like, Wonder Woman and some really good Superman stuff lately. And it's, like, I don't know, man. Like, and, uh, I, like, it definitely feels like more of an extension in my interest in comics than me actually being a DC fan yet, you yeah. know? Yep. And, uh, I, and I think like I think I'm um, a few good like classic runs from making that tipping point of just being like oh no like you know there's there's some some really excellent stuff here.
0: Well, I'm wondering if the Tom King event that's upcoming, Heroes in Crisis, yeah, might uh, might help you sort of shape your fanboyism for DC Comics.
1: I think it will, um, and I, also the fact that like you know. There's also, like, this really bright future ahead of DC Comics, you know, like, the next, like, year where all of a sudden all of their mainline books are probably going to be the hottest thing on the shelf. Yeah. You know, and it's, like, going to be kind of hard to ignore, you know? It's like, like, like I really want to read Kelly Sue's Aquaman. I don't really give a fuck about Aquaman, but I like her, yep. you know? It's like, she's one of my favorite writers, so... um, yeah, it's like a no-brainer that I'm going to want to pick that up. So, I feel like it's like it's getting to be like this perfect Venn diagram of like now is the time for Pete to like DC, you know? Like Marvel stuff hasn't really been appealing to me. A bunch of people that are great are over at DC. Like I've had people who really like DC like pushing me into it. It's like, yeah, let's let's go, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh So that was a little that was a little um you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A little uh, detour, if you will. But uh, I was curious. So there you go. Now These are the
1: kinds of conversations we can have on the show now that there's only two of us.
0: Exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, this we're going to jump into the news. This story is not really something that we can chew on too much, but I think it's worth talking about a little bit at least. Because HBO's Watchmen has officially been confirmed to exist and has received a full series order.
1: This surprised me. I thought that it had already happened.
0: Yeah. uh, So they had filmed the pilot, I believe. And uh, HBO had to watch it and figure out if they wanted more. And Mm. they've officially decided that they do want more. Um, It's going to debut sometime in 2019. We don't know when. I would imagine in the fall. That makes sense to me.
1: Dude, isn't it crazy that, like, we're already, like, so close to 2019? We've been talking about release dates in 2019, like, a lot on this show and VGP. And I'm just like, wow, we're, like, like four months out, you know? Like, (laughs) for, like, that cycle to begin.
0: Yesterday, I thought, whoa, wait. Venom is literally coming out in two months. Yeah. It's not far at all. It's right around the corner.
1: It's it's fucking imminent. like.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I
1: like a lot of shit is. Like fucking Spider-Man on PS4 is out in like two weeks. Yeah. You know, like that feels like a game that's been so like on the horizon for so long. And it's like, fuck, like we're here. Like, oh, it's exciting.
0: Absolutely. Lots of, lots
1: of really fun stuff coming up by the end of this year and, and early next year.
0: Yeah. And uh, I will say that when it comes to this Watchmen series i am very excited so i'm about as excited as i could possibly be without a trailer and part of the reason is is doomsday clock because it's giving me an opportunity to live in that world right now uh that that this book or this series is going to take us into but it's a different version of it which i really like um and then the other part is that it is Watchmen, you know, and I and I want to know what happened after. It's that morbid curiosity that you sort of have with lots of stories that don't have a concrete ending of, yeah. hey, it's happily ever after, or, hey, they're all dead. Like, you always kind of want to know what's next, and we're going to know. And whether that's right or wrong, it's going to happen.
1: Well, And I think... Uh I I would describe myself as uh, cautiously optimistic for this one because I think for everything about this that gives me pause, it also presents a really incredible opportunity for something unique and original. So it's like everything that's a red flag could just as easily be a positive if it's well executed. And I think for me, it it almost doesn't matter because if they nail it, awesome it's this awesome new fresh take on watchmen and we have that now great i can't wait for that experience if it sucks whatever like there's already a shitty Watchmen movie that i don't like and you know like it doesn't affect my relationship to the book at all it's it's like who cares you know like at the end of the day um so this can really only be good you know, it's like it can really only be positive because the negative is like, to me, not a risk. Like, it's not like, a, oh, it would have been so perfect if they had just given me a, a, a real Watchmen HBO show. I don't really know that we need that. You know, it's like I would have watched it if it was good. But it's the thing of like, I'm not clamoring for that. You know, so it's like it doesn't it's not the same way that I feel about Venom. Right, where Venom I'm mad about not because it's going to be a bad movie, but because it means I won't get a Venom I like in the MCU or in, you know, Far From Home or or whatever, you know, Tom Holland Spider-Man sequel they want to use Venom in. Um, That is impossible because this movie exists, you know, and like that's where the beef really comes from, you know, more than anything where it comes for something like this. It's like, well... Like, I'm, 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 I'm willing to, to roll the dice and see if it's any good. And if it's not, I won't fucking watch it. Who cares? There's a million other fucking things to watch and read and play right now. And it's like, I don't, you know, one thing not living up to expectations is really not the end of the world. So, in fact, I've actually kind of come around on some of these changes that they've decided on, you know, because they actually seem it's like, well, that could be fresh. That could be interesting and I'm, I'm more interested in things that are fresh and interesting than things that are safe. Hmm.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so, the synopsis released by HBO is as follows. Set in an alternate history where superheroes are treated as outlaws, Watchmen embraces the nostalgia of the original groundbreaking graphic novel while attempting to break new ground of its own. That sounds just about right as far as what I'm expecting from this series And I think that for now, all that's really left is to, uh, wait on a trailer and, uh, judge for ourselves when we get to see what the series looks like.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, uh, wish them all the best. Hope it works out.
0: So Netflix has announced the next book, uh, in their partnership with Mark Millar. Netflix has begun publishing comics, um... With Malar World as sort of the, the backing of that uh, initiative. Um, their first book, The Magic Order, which we reviewed the first issue of here on this very podcast, has been very good and very successful. And so the next book uh, coming from that partnership is called Prodigy. Um, it's going to be written by Malar, and the art will be by Raphael Albuquerque. That's I, go ahead. I know that I know that name. What's he done? You sure do because he's done American Vampire and Batman. Okay. Um he is a beast. So that's another that's another great
1: pairing of great talent. So yeah, that's uh this is such a this deal is so fucking interesting. Yeah. And the fact that it's like it's already paying dividends and they're like moving forward on with so much stuff is like uh it's just uh, surprising I guess isn't the right word but it's like it's just crazy to see how fast it's all materializing you know like this deal was made like what 6 months ago and there's there's already like proof of the value of the partnership you know like magic order has presented us with a good comic we've got this other one coming out which you know knock on wood will be as good um or better and, and then we have, what, the, like, five or six adaptions that they announced last year? Like, yeah. t- two of which are coming out in, like, the next 12 months? It's like, what the fuck? Like...
0: <laughs> so, Prodigy uh, focuses on a character called Edison Crane, who is supposed to be the world's smartest man. Um, and uh, the Netflix description of the series is is as follows. His brilliant mind needs constant challenge, and so he's become the go-to guy for governments around the world when a problem arises they just can't handle. A Nobel Prize-winning scientist, a genius composer, an Olympic-level athlete, and an expert in the occult, Edison Crane, is as addicted to the mysteries of the world as he is to sitting at the top of the Fortune 500. These are the tales of the world's most exceptional man, and this story marks his first published adventure.
1: Hmm. Sounds like an asshole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mark Willard kills me. So, this is what he has to say about this character. I wanted to write the smartest thing I've ever written, and at the same time top any action set pieces I've ever managed in the past, and I honestly couldn't be happier with how this has turned out. Edison Crane is by far the best character I've ever created in my career, and I'm delighted that my genius friend Raphael Albuquerque is drawing the comic side of all this. He's really one of the best artists in the world. Nobody does big hyperbolic announcements. Like Mark. Millar. Like Mark Mollar.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. You. It's funny because like it reminds me of um the the guy. Uh, I think it's Peter. Oh, Peter Molyneux. Uh, you know the the fable explore guy. Yeah. Only like with Mark Millar, it's like it's like a two face level coin flip of if what he's saying is true or not. Because it's like he's great at the big hyperbolic statements, but like he delivers sometimes, you know, sometimes it is as good as what he says. And it's like, it's such a fun, like, uh, it's like, all right, like it's the best character ever written. Let's see. Like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's an interesting wrinkle to this, though. It appears that, uh, and, and maybe this is something that I missed months ago, but this book is. Being published through Image Comics, okay, but it's Netflix. That's what they did with Magic Order as well. Okay, yeah. I guess I missed that somehow. Yeah,
1: because uh, it's it's strange because I I think the way that they're and this is this is like if if I'm wrong, correct me in the comments uh, or send us an email. But my understanding is I think that Millar and Netflix's, like, joint partnership for Millar World is just basically, like, making a deal with Image in the same way that an individual writer would. You know? Where it's like, we're going to publish through Image, but we retain all the rights and everything, and, you know, you're just, you own the comic, the publishing rights of the comic, until we decide someone else does. You know? Or we take it somewhere else. Um... So I guess like it makes sense, right? Because it's like, what the fuck does Netflix know about publishing comic books? Nothing. Sure. They're yeah. they're really good at cultivating talent and cultivating, you know, um, IP. So yeah, it's like feels like a
0: just like a good partnership for both of them, you know. Absolutely. So if you're interested in Prodigy, it will be out on December fifth. I know that I will absolutely be picking this book up.
1: Yeah, yeah, based on how much I enjoyed Magic Order, uh, yeah, I'll definitely give it a shot at least for a couple issues.
0: Absolutely. So, staying in the realm of the quote-unquote uh, indie comic, uh, Witch Hammer is a new comic book that's coming out from Cullen Bunn. Um, Cullen yeah. Bunn teamed up with Aftershock Comics and artist Dalibor Talajik for uh, this Original graphic novel uh, that actually looks really, really cool. So, uh, if you haven't had the chance to check it out, Pete, um, the art is previewed here in the. Yeah, um, yeah, let me me take a look. I'll I'll read the words of Colin Bunn uh, on the book while Pete checks it out. Witch Hammer is a different kind of horror story. In this graphic, in this original graphic album, that's a weird terminology yeah um, we are thrown headlong into a dark and bloody mystery someone is hunting people down murdering them in cold blood the connection between the victims they are all practitioners of witchcraft the killer is a terrifying figure armed to the teeth and wearing a ghastly goat mask and he is made all the more frightening and more dangerous by one simple fact he believes in what he's doing emboldened Oof. by the awful power of conviction he is on a one-man crusade He is pursued by a group of federal investigators hell-bent on stopping his killing spree. These investigators, though, are faced with a dreadful conundrum of their own. What if the victims actually are in league with demonic forces? So that sounds pretty awesome. This art is crazy. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's very, like,
1: gore warning. But, uh, yeah, no, this looks great. Um... I, I that premise is really interesting to me too. I, I that's like it, it's the it sounds appealing to me in this for the same reason that Magic Circle was, or magic like Order. Re, Or Magic Order. Yeah, sorry. Um, so what is the Jupiter Circle? That's another one of his books. Um, because I I really like magic in mundane situations. You know, or like um, not even necessarily just magic, but like that's one of the things I always love about comics is like the idea of. Uh, very out there premise in the narrative or like in an otherwise grounded situation. Like the fact of this is like, oh, it's like a murder mystery that happens to be everyone getting murdered is, is a witch. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Like that sounds awesome. Like that adds such a fun wrinkle to both of those genres, you know, and like opens them up to really unique angles that you wouldn't see in either story alone.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm exactly in line with that. This is up my alley. Uh, I I have not been a fan of Cullen Bunn's. Um, I've only ever read his his Marvel stuff and in particular his X Men stuff. So I will preface it by saying that. But I haven't loved any of uh, of the things that I have read from him. But this premise uh, really makes me want to pick this book up. And and again, the art is really dynamite. Uh, what's interesting to me is that I feel like magic in comics has really been on the rise lately. Yes, um, we have the uh, the Greg Rucka book. Oh boy, I'm blanking. Um, I can't believe I can't remember the name. But um, it's it's a really About amazing magic. Yeah, it's it's is really it what
1: black magic.
0: No, wait, is it is it black is it black magic?
1: magic? Isn't that that's definitely an image book. I don't know if that's his, though. It is remember. Black Magic. It okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes! <laughs> nice. Uh,
0: Black Magic is, believe it or not, despite the fact that I can't couldn't remember the name, uh, one of my favorite books that he's done, uh, Greg Rucca. And um, so there's that. And then there's The Magic Order. Now we've got this. I feel like there's just quite a few really good magic titles on on yeah
1: and i feel like that's been the case for the last couple of years because like and this is just my you know anecdotal observation so take take it for what it's worth but i feel like the rise in popularity of dungeons and dragons has really like led to a a renewed interest in swords and sorcery in comics you know because like you think back to like what, 2014 or 2013 when like Rat Queens launched and it was like one of the only books of its kind, you know? And yeah. then like since then, there's also like Scales and Scoundrels, you know? There's also uh, the Adventure Zone guys, just, you know, the my brother my brother and me, the uh, whatever brothers, I can't remember their name, but um, they put out their comic and it was the first comic to be on the, you know, New York Times bestselling list or whatever, you know, like... There is um I definitely think that there's been a renewed interest in that as a whole because of shows like Critical Role and Adventure Zone and and you know like podcasts around D making people more interested in Dungeons and Dragons and by extension like there being more I guess just room for for fantasy, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I think that the renewed interest in fantasy uh, definitely plays a role in in this resurgence, and I love it because I think um, magic, a lot of times, because of probably because of Harry Potter, uh, is associated with children's stories in a lot of ways. And I'm ready for the horror stuff, man. I'm ready to bring yeah. that back, that feel that you know. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, and it's
1: it's weird to me that like it didn't become a, a bigger trend because of Harry Potter. Because, like, even though it is, like, a young adult uh, series, there's, like, a lot of very dark, like, heavy shit in that series, you know? And the fact that, like, that was such a cultural phenomenon, it was, like, a big moment, and that it didn't spawn, like, tons of fucking imitators has always been really surprising to me.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the lesson learned by Hollywood from Harry Potter was actually different than... What you would traditionally think it wasn't. Uh, oh, magic is the new hotness. It was young adult books exactly. are the hotness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're to- yeah, you're totally right because it's like right after that we got like
1: uh, Hunger Games and shit like that. Yep. You know that was like oh we need the next what what what's the race to be the next Harry Potter? You know?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so very interesting and and I'm 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 excited for this book. Um, yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, I'll be picking it up. It comes out on November twenty eighth. Nice. And again it's awesome
1: that's a good fall book.
0: Yeah. It's it's a it's an original graphic novel, so if you pick it up, you've got the whole thing in one shot.
1: I love that. Love it. Let's do it.
0: So uh we do a book club. Let's do a book club on that one, man. Maybe we will, uh if we find the time. Our book club uh lineup is very stacked. Um and uh hopefully you Marco, get on it. (laughs) (laughs) Will keep up with us as we uh continue down the journey. Um we could always read it on the show, though. So... I'd do that. Uh, there's a there's a comic book relationship that has existed for 20 years that is coming to an end. Uh, Crazy. Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Dark Horse Comics are over uh, because Fox is pulling the license officially um, after 20 years. And, uh, you know... It's kind of sad, just because Dark Horse has really been the home of Buffy, obviously, for a really long time. After the show ended, and after, um, so after I finished watching it, which I finished watching it when I was a young kid, but then, like I, you know, it was a, whatever, I was a young kid, I, I bought the DVDs, finished them again, was really Bummed out that there was no more Buffy, and was clamoring for more. And I found out that there were these Dark Horse comics, and so that's when I found out about Frey. That's when I picked up uh, some of their other stuff. And then around that same time was when they actually launched Buffy Season Eight. Um, and and I didn't and know that you had read all that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I I'm, I mean, I love Buffy, and and there was nothing more, so I I dove in. Um. And Buffy season eight was like, man, it it was what I needed at, at a time when when I was really clamoring for more Buffy stuff. Yeah. And ever since then, they've been putting out great comics. Um, for the I mean, that was like over ten years ago now, I think. Uh, so it's unfortunate that this is over. Uh, Joss Whedon does speak on the fact that it is ending and. Uh, they're bringing Dr. Horrible comics to Dark Horse. Um, oh, really? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah.
1: I love Dr. Horrible's uh, sing-along blog. I was so into that.
0: Mm-hmm. And so he said, uh, we want to do something more with Dark Horse right now, especially because Fox is taking the Buffy license and the Firefly license back. And Dark Horse has shepherded these licenses for decades now. So, obviously, he feels like Dark Horse is getting the short end of the stick, and he wants to try to kind of help him out a little bit, throw him a bone. That's cool. Yeah. Now, the question really is, why is this happening? The Buffy comics are doing the numbers that they're going to do. You know, they're not bad. I like them. I enjoy them. Buffy fans have mixed opinions, but... um, like the show, the seasons have some Some have been really great, some have been alright, some have been not so good. Um, I don't think the quality has anything to do with this. Sure. I actually think it has more to do with uh, two things. One is the reboot of the series that's on the way. Right. The other is the deal with Disney. Disney has Marvel. They don't really need Dark Horse. Um, and uh, Fox might have other ideas for where, what, bu- what Buffy comics they want to be publishing now that the reboot's coming out.
1: Well, and, and now that they have access to different talent, too, right? Like, you know, it's like the idea of, like, them maybe having, like, you know, like, maybe Marvel's gonna start a new imprint with some of these Fox properties, right? Or something like that. Or, you know, sure. who knows? Like, we have no insight to what they could want to do with that IP, and it makes sense for them to want to make a clean start. You know, like because they are trying to take the franchise in a new direction with new, you know, potentially new characters, new actor, you know, new actors, new everything.
0: Yeah. Well, uh yeah, go ahead.
1: And and I it, they probably just want to get their ducks in a row as it were. You right. know, and like I think it it makes sense after a certain point, you know, like I think with uh like you said that the Buffy numbers are going to do what they're going to – or the Buffy comic is doing what it's going to do. I think that's true in the context of what Buffy is right now where Buffy is a show that ended, what, 20 fucking years ago or whatever? Started around 20 years ago. It oh, ended, it started in like 1998? Okay. Yeah, it ended in uh,
0: 2003 or four.
1: Okay, okay. So I'm I'll, I'll off on my timeline a little bit. But uh, either way, my, my point stands, Buffy is an IP that's been dormant for what, 14 years then, aside from this comic, yes. which has kept things going. Now they want to reboot it. We have no idea what shape that's going to take. And I'm sure that if they, they want to leave the option on the table for them to... Start a new comic series that maybe supports this new show or, you know, or just put that canon to bed because they're ready to start something else. And they don't want this other bastion of the old series still around hanging over it, you know? Yeah. Plus, like, with the, the Archie Comics Sonic deal, right? Like, those... That series still sold well and everything, but then moving it to IDW and taking it in a new new direction opened it up to a new audience, you know? And, like, people who don't want to read 20 years of Archie Sonic to know what the fuck's going on can pick up at this new book with its new tone, and maybe you get some of those old fans to come anyway. Because if Buffy fans are still reading a Buffy comic 14 years later, they probably really give a shit about Buffy and will read whatever Buffy comic is available. Right. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And uh I guess for me it's just a little sad just because this has been the only Buffy thing that's been going on for so long. But I guess it's bittersweet because we are getting new stuff. So there's there's things to be excited about if you are a Buffy fan.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know, sometimes like things have to end to make way for like new options, you know? And right. uh ideally whatever takes its place is better than what you already have.
0: Exactly. So, uh <laughs> in, a, in a very interesting story and I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about this uh, we're gonna get a Pennyworth series an Alfred Pennyworth series has been ordered by Epics. so with Gotham on the way out uh, it's ending this upcoming season
1: oh really? Oh. yeah
0: there's room, I suppose for Batman on television. Not Batman, Batman, a side character of Batman's who people aren't necessarily clamoring for a series about. Uh, but in any event, they are doing this. And uh this is what they have to say about the series. Uh the president of Epics, Michael Wright, said the following. As genuine fans of these classic DC characters, as well as the incredibly talented Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon, those are the uh, executive producers and, and showrunners, um, we couldn't be more excited to make Epics the home of this series. We can't wait to work with Bruno and Danny, along with Peter Roth, Susan Rovner, Brett Paul, and the team at Warner Horizon on this fantastic origin story. The, this series is going to tell the story of Alfred meeting Thomas Wayne and Alfred's adventures um, as a special forces officer. Uh, Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
1: I just like, that sounds like something that would be really interesting as like a Batman annual. Right. Like, you know, like, yep. Bruce, and, Bruce and Alfred sit down and have a conversation, and Alfred tells a bunch of war stories, and then tells him how he met his father, and why the fuck this special forces agent became a butler. Right. Um, I don't know that I'm interested in watching that as a ongoing television show, if I'm being totally honest with you, you know?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, speaking for myself, this is not anything that I will be watching. Um,
1: Like, this is not on my radar.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I I love Alfred. I think Alfred's a great character. I love what he is for, uh, for Batman and everything like that, but this is just this is just too far. Like, do we really how many more shows can they do where you can't show batman or say his name or anything like that but you can do literally everything but you know yeah do do we care i mean
1: i personally i sure don't but it's one of those things of like what
0: season is gotham on now oh boy what is it like season nine or something like that right and i remember when you and i met
1: it had already been out for a couple of years, and it was always this thing of, who the fuck watches Gotham? Why
0: does anyone give a shit about this? But Is people it,
1: people watch it, obviously.
0: It's season five. I, I That's I, a good run! Yeah, I I was thinking, like, this show has been on forever. Um, but, but no, I, yeah, season five. It
1: just feels like it's been forever. So yeah, yeah like, I guess when you and I met, it was probably had been out for a year or two, maybe. And, uh, I don't know, man. Like, it's just like maybe this shit just isn't for us. Like, maybe this is just for like the normies who like watch fucking cable TV or whatever, and are going to watch whatever the fuck is on, you know, it's like, and I don't mean that. I don't mean like normies, like derisively, you know, just like literally like, you know, like in the same way that I don't really feel like there are any like hardcore Batman fans who are like, maybe not none. That's not a good way to say it, but I don't think many people that I know anyway, who are big into Batman, care about Gotham at all
0: yeah I tried to watch this show and I just couldn't it's really weird and it it doesn't it doesn't it, it's it's doing the right thing in a sense by creating it's own sort of timeline and not focusing too too hard on being faithful to the comics but it's outlandish in the way that it does that and I just couldn't, I couldn't stomach it after a while. Um, they're going into a Bane arc, which is going to close out the series, I suppose. Um, and that's fine, I guess. But uh, I, I, I'm certainly ready for this to be over. But at the same time, don't care about an Alfred Pennyworth spinoff.
1: Yeah, me, I, I just, you know, I more power to him. But I just, uh, I, don't, I don't see this catching my attention.
0: Speaking of spinoffs, let's talk about some news that Pete's not going to be happy with. Venom... Here we fucking go! Yes, yes. Venom is on track for a record-breaking box office opening. How do you feel about record-breaking being associated with the with the movie Venom?
1: Pack it in, boys and girls. It's over. It's fucking <laughs> over. Uh, because now... It doesn't even matter if the film sucks. We're gonna get more of these. It's like, like, and granted, this might be the last one. Any or the next one might be the last one. Because if even this, if this is record breaking and it sucks noodles, then nobody's gonna go see the next one, and we'll have a Suicide Squad situation where it was profitable the first time, but like, who's showing up for another one of those fucking things? You know. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the problem, Sean. You and these pre-order motherfuckers don't pre-order things, guys. Why are you paying for something that you have no idea if it's going to be worth your money? Don't
0: do it. I, I, uh, I had a good time in the theater during Suicide Squad. That's all I'll say. I, I uh,
1: like, I did too, I guess, but not for the right reasons, you know. Like, <laughs> what
0: are the right reasons? <laughs>
1: I don't know, because it's an enjoyable film and it's well made, not because I'm there with my friends and we're drunk and we're laughing at how bad it is.
0: <laughs> it sounds to me like you got your, whatever, $12 worth.
1: That's true. That's true. It was a good night.
0: Well, there you go. So, uh, according to Box Office Pro, uh, the film is currently estimated to open between 55 and $85 million domestically, which is actually a bump. From the previous numbers that that had it making th- between thirty and fifty million dollars, so a wider uh, margin, but an overall higher uh, uptick. So it's terrible. The reason it's why fucking that terrible. The reason why that would be record breaking is because it it would be the highest opening for the month of October, which is currently held by the film Gravity that had an, a fifty five point eight million dollar opening box office which is is not that's really not that high when you think about it. No. Um, And you'd think that
1: like a bunch of horror movies would have opened in October or something, you know, and like they do. But I guess they just don't make that much money.
0: Exactly. Uh Venom is tracking a 91% average positive interest. Oh why? why what are you people
1: doing to me come on i care about so few things this much why ain't it fun no
0: (laughs) so this hurts sean it
1: hurts it hurts
0: (laughs) this leads me to a question that i have for you Uh,
1: oh does that do you mean is it time Time for For the Random Question of the Week!
0: It is indeed.
1: In the middle of the fucking show, what's going on? Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> uh so we just talked about Alfred Pennyworth, and now we're talking about Venom two spin-off characters from franchises <laughs> that are more successful than the spin-offs that they are uh, representing. So the question is, what spin-off series do you want to see get their own series or film
1: oh okay all right hmm so you know i think of anybody like it's not necessarily like who i i want the most but i'm trying to think of like who i think would work the best And I feel like most of the Bat family uh, is a prime candidate for it, you know? And, like, I know that's, like, probably, like, a little, like, abhorrent to you, but, like, the idea of, like, you know, like, when they were talking about having a Batgirl movie, I was like, that seems like that totally works. The idea of, like, a Nightwing movie, totally down for that, you know? And, like, not given the current state of the DC universe, but I think as a concept, I think those characters make the most sense because I think having a movie that's about Batman and Robin and then, you know, maybe a year later, maybe, you know, after the second Batman movie, eventually we get that Nightwing spinoff where, you know, he's, we've already know this actor, we've seen him in this role and he's ready to step out of Bruce's shadow and have his own identity. Like that narrative is interesting. And what I'm trying to think of... Like minor characters, you know, or or supporting characters, was like because I think it's not necessarily fair to call, you know, some of the Bat Family minor characters, but the supporting players, as it were, most most supporting characters are not interesting by themselves, right? You know, and like that's just it. Like supporting characters exist to say to support another character, and oftentimes they're written, at least in my mind, right, with the purpose of Fulfilling a role or or saying something about the main character, you know, serving as a counterpoint or, an, or a, you know, an opposition to that character. And I think having the, like, mentor, mentee-style character like that step out of the mentor's shadow and try to find their own identity, that actually works as a story. And... There are so many characters there, but even just those two, right? Those two characters are both compelling on their own and have dozens and dozens of stories about just them doing their own thing. Sure. They have their own identity outside of Batman in a way that I think, like, somebody like Venom does, but not in a way to me that I think makes sense without the context of Spider-Man. You know, like, even so, right? Like, I'd be down for a solo Venom movie after he'd already been a villain, you know, not the way that they're doing it.
0: Well, it's I mean, it's the same thing with the characters that you mentioned, though. Like,
1: yeah, there needs to be that build to it.
0: Yeah, there's the, a, a Nightwing movie with without any Batman anything having come before just doesn't yeah. make any sense. And I guess um, given that the DC film universes Batman is older. Obviously we can understand and interpret that yes, there has been a rot there have been several robins before uh, So that makes it easier to spin off a Nightwing or a Batgirl or whatever without having seen them before. It makes it easier to do, just not for me any more tolerable.
1: See, Batgirl, I would actually argue it is tolerable just because that's kind of the Batgirl origin story anyway sometimes, right? Is that she's inspired and acts on her own and then catches Batman's attention. Like, that could be the movie, right? Like, she does this thing and the end of the movie is Bruce Wayne approaching her and being like, you know, like, we need to talk, you know? And and that, that would work. With Robin, I agree with you. For me, I would love to see a Robin movie that works the same way that Logan did. Where, you know, like there's a generation of kids, young kids, who get to go and see uh, a kid like Tom Holland's age play a, a teenage Robin. For, like, two or three movies, and then all of a sudden he's in their, He's in his 20s while these kids are in high school and about to go off to college. And there's this story that's all about him growing up and, and trying to find his own identity and getting out of his father's shadow. And, like, they, that would be a character that they grew with in the same way that, like, we grew with Logan, you know? Right. And I, that would be awesome. Uh, but given the current state of the DC universe, we're not going to fucking get that. But... That's what I would want to see. In a perfect world, I feel like that is the, like, a Dick Grayson saga like that has the most potential to be, like, worth doing in a way that isn't just, we're doing this because this character has some cachet and let's see how it goes. Mm. Also, in the same breath, a Batman uh, Beyond movie. Like, and we've talked about that. Get me a Batman Beyond he's movie. He's not
0: a supporting character.
1: He, You're, fair enough. You're right. He's a main character. I just want to see a movie where Michael Keaton plays old Batman in, like, five or ten years when he's, like, in his, like, 70s. Let's have him play old Bruce and some young hot kid play Terry McGinnis.
0: <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm definitely about that. I'm very much about that. Um... So, my answer depends on whether or not you consider this character be a supporting character. Okay. X-23.
1: Um, I think it's the same deal with, with like, Robin, right? Like, she, it, she started as a supporting character, and she's grown into a leading woman, which is why she makes sense.
0: Okay. So then, in that case, that will be my answer. Uh, I think that X-23 is... Insanely interesting. Um, she's so well developed and compelling, even even in the early days of her character when you know she was first introduced, and you get this backstory and everything, and then she kind of falls into being, you know, an ex person uh, under Wolverine and under yeah, Logan's else. protege. Um, I love the idea of getting a a film where she's kind of you know trying to uncover her origin and maybe having to go back and deal with some of the people who you know created her and and and, you know put her in the positions that she's in if you were doing that in the um in the logan film universe that makes a lot of sense it's really easy to do um Mm -hmm but if you, even if you weren't, I think it works in any environment, and actually, I think it's more interesting, at least to me, than, like, an X-Men Origins Wolverine type of situation, just because we're all kind of familiar with Wolverine already, he's been done, his story's told, she's fresh ground, and her perspective is totally different than his, you yeah. know? Um, I just, I love that idea, you know? Who, who are her parents? Like, how does she feel about what's been done to her how what's her way of getting revenge versus wolverines you know how does yeah. she deal with wolverines like a hundred something x23 is a kid you know
1: and she also has the benefit of having had logan to guide her you know like i i believe at least if you're talking about it in the context of like uh like the uni- like the logan universe um how, like you said how does she react to, to trauma and to those things, I think would be very different based on the, the fact that she knew Logan and and saw him make a heroic sacrifice, you know, that like her entire way of dealing with problems, I think would be very different than his, despite the fact that she does have that, you know, ability to get lost in that, that animal fucking rage, you know? Absolutely. And that, that dichotomy, that fight is what makes Logan a compelling character and seeing a character who has that even more ingrained in her because of her experiences uh with somebody who's been there and and learned to overcome it is super interesting.
0: Yep. Uh so That's a good pick. Thanks. So uh m- moving right along uh, let's talk about Iron Fist. Let's, fact, let's Let's talk about Iron Fist. Let's talk about the trailer for Iron Fist season 2. Uh did you you had the chance to watch this, right? Yes. Right. What do you think?
1: Uh, it looks fine. You know, like it's like it it didn't it didn't like really leave much of an impression on me. You know, like it 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 feels like I I have such a weird relationship with Iron Fist because I didn't hate it nearly as much as anybody else. So for me to be like, it kind of just feels like more iron fist isn't as much of a dig as it is when somebody else says that.
0: (laughs) For me, it looks both better and worse than the first season. So in what way, what
1: specifically stood out to you as worse?
0: Well, worse is the fact that Davos now has his version of the iron fist. Uh, He's, so the Steel Serpent is the character that he, he actually is from the comics. And I don't know about the Steel Serpent. So I don't know if he does have his own iron fist or I'm what, what, what his power set is. But I don't care. Because for the series, it just seems like having him face the, his mirror. And I'm totally right. over that. Especially because the iron fist in the, in the show, like the power, sucks. It's lame. So I don't want to see, like they, they even showed on the trailer, both their fists lighting up. It looks stupid as hell.
1: So uh, I'm going I'm to guess that it's definitely the same thing. Because just looking at it, when you Wikipedia Steel Serpent, the images cover art from Immortal Iron Fist number four... And it's just, like, he literally just looks like Iron Fist, but with a purple mask and a beard. Right. Um. Right? And, like, so, <laughs> I uh, I think it is probably just a very similar power. Yeah, the ability to drain the power of the Iron Fist from its wielder, that's what it does. So, he's stealing Iron Fist power and then using it. So, it's literally him fighting himself.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh I I mean, all right, I guess. Um, but he's not the villain that I'm interested in. The villain that I'm interested in is uh, Typhoid Mary, and they didn't really show her much. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to see what she brings to the table. Um, I I I don't know. I like certain parts of it. I like Misty Knight being involved I really am a fan of hers I like Colleen Wing still being here even though I hate the fact that she's in a relationship with Danny Rand Uh, the action (laughs) looks better this time around at least from the trailer who knows what it will actually play out like I, Uh, uh, I also I like the
1: idea that like it looks I'm getting the impression that we're gonna finally see like him doing more like superhero shit you know, right. like even even that, like the the um, the opening shot is him with like the ghetto ass uh, mask, you know, of just like, you know, he's got this very like it reminds me of like uh, in Spider-Man one, you know, where like he's yeah. got like the wrestling costume or like when Daredevil was running around with the, you know, the whatever they were calling him. The The Devil of Hell's Kitchen, you know, with the just the black, you know, yeah. like, head mask thing. It, it's got that very, like, lo-fi, and we'll probably see him actually get the real costume at the end kind of vibes, well, you
0: know? Well, in the trailer, they do showcase a scene where he's fighting Davos, and they have the traditional Iron Fist uh, mask on. And I have to say, this is the, the worst-looking thing I've ever seen in, Wait, in any of these shows. Wait, the mask. Yeah, there's a sequence I'm around a minute right in now. where he's fighting Davos, uh, and they're both wearing the same costume. The implication being that the Iron Fist costume... Oh, fuck! From.
1: Right! Yeah, and they've got the the ribbons! Yeah. <sighs> or I guess it's like a, a, a fucking rat, is, fist yeah. wrap or whatever, yeah. Well, yeah, and like they both have the mask. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's so fucking... I don't know.
0: I think that looks terrible, but, you know, whatever.
1: Uh, yeah, especially, like, it looks particularly bad on um, the actor who's playing Davos, because you can, like, really see his eyes through it, you yeah. know? It's like it just looks like... They look like look, like luchadors or
0: something, <laughs> like... Yeah, I, I and the other thing that bothers me is that it seems like Iron Fist is doing... The superhero thing as you say to drown himself in his work as opposed to you know loving it and yeah. iron fist is just not this dark like angsty you know like like there are i've read comics with iron fist in them where he is that but that's not the norm and i am frustrated by the fact that we have not yet seen the other side yeah. getting it is the second season we had the defenders and we still have only seen one version of this character.
1: Yeah, and and like you said like I mean, I I haven't I haven't read much Iron Fist, but like he's usually very like goofy and like funny and jokey and happy-go-lucky and like I just like where is that at all? Right. You know? And like it's weird because like I feel like the other three characters that they've done feel so true, you know. Like where even where Luke Cage season one definitely has some problems for me, but Mike Coulter as Luke Cage is good, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Jones season two I had a lot of problems with, but Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones feels like Jessica Jones, you know, and like Daredevil's tonally perfect, you know. Fucking even John Bernthal is like is just like a really really sharp Frank Castle, and it's just like uh, they just I just feel like they they keep missing the mark with Danny. Yeah, you know, and I don't quite understand why. Big time, I am
0: I am right there with you, uh, but if you are excited for this, it is debuting September seventh, so right around. Oh the wow. Yeah, yeah, I freaking yeah! I forgot it was so close too. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, like fucking September
1: sneaking up on me, man. Yeah.
0: So we've got some good news to report. Uh, Stanley has been granted a restraining order against Kia Morgan.
1: Yes, I did see this. That's good news. Uh, mm-hmm. Glad to see. Uh, glad to see even more protection between Stanley and and that monster of a man.
0: Absolutely. So. <laughs> Uh, a judge ordered a restraining order against uh, Morgan, and it basically the order states that Morgan cannot contact Lee or come within 100 yards of him, and that he is also barred from contacting J.C. Lee, who is Stan's daughter, or Stan's brother, Larry Lieber. Um So that's really awesome news. Uh, Morgan did not appear in court. Uh, and the hearing was actually delayed because they couldn't even get in contact with Morgan to serve him with the paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, this guy is, I mean, listen, we talked about him on this show as being really bad for Stan, and, you know, there was pushback on the idea that we shouldn't be, you know, making those kind of claims, but look. This is it. what, yeah. This is what it is. This is who he is.
1: This dude is shady as fuck, and it's been obvious from the beginning that he's been shady.
0: Exactly, and uh, I've even learned more information about the kind of things that he was involved in that I didn't know about um, since this all sort of has come out, and since now this 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 order has been uh, produced, um, it turns out Kia Morgan. A few months ago, we reported that Stan Lee, there was a situation in which there were people with guns at, at Stan Lee's home, and that Kia Morgan had called the cops. Well, it turns out n- none of that happened, and what actually took place was that uh, Kia Morgan was being kept away from Stan as Stan Lee was talking to the police who came to check in on Stan's well-being. And so Kia Morgan created a whole crazy scenario as a result because he was afraid of what stan was saying to the cops without kia's presence wow yeah uh, like i can't believe we haven't heard more from stan
1: about this whole situation at this point you know like cuz he had made that public statement like defending him and everything that like obviously seems to have been made under duress yeah you know uh and the fact that we haven't had some statement from him it's kind of surprising to me, but it, it might just speak to, like, where he's at, like, health and mentality-wise, you know? But, like, he is on Twitter and everything now, and, like, we're still seeing updates from him. Like, he doesn't seem to be, like, super unhealthy or anything, but, like, I don't know. It's it's interesting to me, this whole situation. The fact that it was able to escalate this far and that it's been, like, inter- that information keeps dripping out about it is so
0: strange, well the report suggests that he's doing better and that he's he's in good health which is great it's to good. read. Yeah, it's good to and hear. And I, and I think that they just his people probably just kind of want to let this whole thing die down, handle the affairs, get the ducks in a row and then come out in public once it's all taken care of. This is a huge ordeal and I and listen, he's 95. You know, to have to be in court, to have to be, you know, emotionally, uh, you know, affected by this. It's just a lot. It's a lot for an old guy.
1: Yeah, hopefully they're not really making him go through too much at this point, you know, and like people who are operating on his behalf are able to secure the restraining order and, all. you know, like hopefully he's not having to actually go to court and all that stuff uh, too much given the fact that his health has been so, you know, hot and cold.
0: Yeah. Well, my hope is that this is the last time that we'll have to talk about anything negative regarding Stan Lee. I mean, this is a, this is a positive update, but I just mean I hope that the next time we talk about him, we're talking about his creations, his works, yep. and not this Kia Morgan stuff. Hopefully, it's the last time we ever use that name on this show.
1: Yeah, I'd hope so. Uh, I would love to. I would love to forget about that piece of human garbage. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> So uh, we got to end the Stan Lee conversation on a good note, but unfortunately, I think that uh, going into this main topic, we have to end it on a bad note. We have to end the show on a bad note, which is the James Gunn saga apparently coming to a close. And uh, so what we're what we're going to be doing is is uh, providing the final word on James Gunn's firing from. Guardians of the Galaxy. So, it has since come to light after last week when we talked about the possibility of him being rehired and the fact that Marvel was standing behind him. It has come to light uh, that, uh, that Disney will not rehire him. Uh, this is indicated by Variety. Uh, Alan Horn, who is the chairman of Walt Disney... Met with James Gunn on Tuesday in what is being described as a courtesy meeting, and that it was decided that 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 uh, they would move forward without James Gunn. No word on whether or not they'll be using his script, uh, but but it's over. It's over. James Gunn is done with this film. Uh, Marvel and Disney, for all intents and purposes, are done with James Gunn for the foreseeable future. the name of the episode,
1: Done With (laughs) Gunn.
0: Obviously, this is a huge blow to this film, to this franchise, to this cast, Uh, and there's a lot to talk about in light of this fact. Um, But before we get into everything, I do want to just provide a little more context. Um, According to Variety, there was a push on the part of Marvel Studios. And and that push is what got done the meeting with Alan Horn. Uh, and, and apparently, Kevin Feige wasn't even present. Uh, he was out of town at the time that the meeting took place. That's unfortunate. But according to the Variety article... Uh, The decision that they came to is one that Feige stands behind. Oh, wow. Well, I wouldn't read too much into that because Kevin Feige has such a great relationship with Disney. I can't imagine that he would want to put that on the line for James Gunn.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. It's just strange because I know he's the one that hired James Gunn and elevated him within his organization. You know, so I could. As much as you're right that I, I don't think he wants to rock the boat. Uh, I, I guess I'm surprised that his recommendation or his desire to see him rehired wasn't held with more weight because of their good relationship and because of how well Kevin Feige has performed for them.
0: Yeah, I think the weight that he has only goes so far it it, it exists the way he (laughs) has (laughs) exists within the Marvel Cinematic Universe this is a problem for Disney as we discussed last week that extends beyond that reach Uh, Yes, because again Disney is a family company and this is an issue that I mean listen the jokes he made were gross horrible this is an issue that will inevitably and has offended tons of people and that theoretically could impact the bottom line for Disney going forward if they were to rehire James Gunn, and I don't think that's a risk they want to take. I mean, obviously, it's not a risk they want to take.
1: Yeah, right. Like, you know, it could easily become a thing of, like, a bunch of, you know, uh, conservative, you know, like – Parents or whatever being like, let's boycott Disney, you know, because they brought back James Gunn and so like, yeah, you're totally right. It's it's a risk that I guess they decided wasn't worth taking, right. um, which I think is extremely unfortunate Um, because I'm mean, not only just because of the importance of James Gunn to the Guardians franchise and the future of, you know, Marvel Cosmic and all that stuff. That's all st- stuff that we've talked about quite a bit. Um and, you know, I, I think something we'll continue to talk about throughout this main topic, but it's also disappointing to me because of who is the one behind the accusations. You know, the fact that Disney uh, allowed, uh, you know, this like extremist, you know, nut job – to force their hand and fire somebody who has done good work for them, and then to act as though it was a surprise. Like, oh, we were so surprised by these tweets or whatever, and we have to, like, you knew about these tweets. We all know you knew about them. We talked about them in 2012, you know? So, like, why is it a problem now? Because some fucking nut who tried to push the fucking Pizzagate conspiracy, you know? Like, it he is trying to make up this narrative about Hollywood pedophiles or whatever. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's just like, they, they're willing to allow a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a campaign of misinformation affect, you know, their plans for the future and to fire talent over it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's literally like coward like, I don't want to say that it's akin to like uh, negotiating with terrorists or whatever, but it's like you flinched. You showed them that you can make that they can make you flinch.
0: Yeah, and there's a really good article over on ScreenRant. In fact, I should I should double back because Dave Bautista has been outspoken. Big Dick Dave. <laughs> He's been outspoken in his criticism of Disney. And over on Twitter, since the announcement came out uh, through various channels, including Variety, that Marvel would, or Disney would not rehire James Gunn, uh, he's been tweeting uh, about this issue, and he tweeted out, "Thanks again, Disney, making America great again."
1: Oh my God! Dave Batista gives zero fucking shits, and it's awesome.
0: Yeah, uh, he's he is on fire right now uh, regarding this issue. And so he tweeted out multiple times at this point, this article that I referenced from Screen Rant, uh, titled, Disney not rehiring James Gunn is a big mistake for Marvel and beyond, written by Kaylee Donaldson. And uh, it's, just, it, it, it's just basically outlining what is so worrisome about this firing. So... They put themselves in a nightmarish position by firing him in the first place, right? So quickly, so swiftly, that already set a bad tone. Because they fired James Gunn off the back of an alt-right conspiracy theorist, as you said, Pete, which is a bad... That's a bad tone on in and of itself, because here is a guy who literally only did this to prove that he could well and and
1: because James Gunn has been a vocal anti trump guy, yeah, you know, so he wanted to knock him down a peg,
0: yeah, absolutely, and that's
1: and bullshit like it is,
0: it is it's really it's it's really uh crappy. And it's unfortunate that this is the path that they have chosen.
1: It's a a dangerous precedent, too. The idea that, oh, we're willing to fire anybody over something they tweeted 12 years ago because some fucking bigot told us to.
0: Right. So is this something that we can expect to continue? You know, what if they pull out the backstory behind the Russos? Does Avengers 4 not release? And guess
1: what? This is why it's fucking dangerous for Disney to own so much of the entertainment landscape, everybody. This is why we talked so negatively about the Fox acquisition. Because while it's all it's fucking all well and good to see the Fantastic Four and the X-Men return home, this is why this shit is dangerous.
0: That's a good point. Because if Disney controls a large amount of the entertainment industry, and they're willing to kowtow this quickly. uh, You don't want to see more situations like this occur. And, you know, you sure fucking don't. Right. So limits.
1: It limits the kind of person that's allowed to make art on that level. You know, right. Uh, That the only, the only person that can make a blockbuster movie has to be a perfect squeaky clean, person that has like that has never said or thought uh, a remotely uncouth thing it leaves no room for people to be allowed to grow or change or evolve you know like James Gunn himself said that like making the Guardians movies made him a better person it allowed him to grow and become a different person than he would have been and it's it sucks at the idea that This one company – and I don't even fucking, like, hate Disney, like, you know, in the abstract. But it's the idea that this one company controls so much of the market and now has so – like, they're one of three people that are capable of funding a major blockbuster. And they now own how much of the world's most valuable IP, American IP. So – and now they're they're setting this precedent where – like, <laughs> any mistake in your past is enough to end your future. With right, them. and that's 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 oh, that's a dangerous fucking chilling effect for artists, no less. Man, it's like artists are flawed people very often. You know, it's it's and and to your point when we talked about this the first week it came up, nobody's hands are clean. Nobody. I don't care who the fuck you are. You're the best person in the world. You've done something that you regret. That would make you look bad. That you'd be embarrassed by. That you wouldn't want to have a light shown on. Yep. Nobody, nobody, is a fucking perfect. And this is just—it's just—I—it's—it's it's disgusting, man. Like it's—it's a—it's a really spineless move on their part, because it's like you said, it's one hundred percent motivated by money and by a fear of losing money. And they don't need to fucking worry about losing money. And I know that that's a super privileged position to take. They're a business. The point of businesses is is to make money. I, I agree with that to a certain degree. And I've been the person to make that devil's advocate argument on this show in the past. But this is fucking dangerous. You don't negotiate with people like this. You don't legitimize positions like this. And that's exactly what they're fucking doing. And with an organization with as much reach and power as Disney makes that decision, it's it's fucking damning. And it and it's it, it's scary. It's scary about what that fucking means for for the the, the film landscape moving forward.
0: One could make the argument <clears throat> that this isn't that that this isn't negotiating with, uh, you know, terrorists, as you put it, because James Gunn did tweet these things. Sure. The problem isn't the guy who did this. We don't like him. He's not, you know, he's unsavory and everything. The problem isn't the guy who who brought this back to light. The problem is the people who agree that james gunn should be fired because those people are the people who have been on twitter and listen some of these people are my friends but those people have been on twitter those people have been on social media and have made their voices heard about how they feel about this issue and the fact of the matter is that so many well-meaning individuals are falling into the trap of expecting perfection from everybody around them. And that is unreasonable. You cannot be a human and expect other humans to be perfect. You just can't. Especially because what James Gunn did and said doesn't represent flaws within James Gunn. Because he didn't do those things. He joked about those things you can dislike a joke but that doesn't reflect on his character that he made a joke that was controversial in fact if anything i celebrate the fact that he did it just because even if i don't like it i like i like the fact that he's a free thinker and not falling into what everybody else deems acceptable
1: well and like the whole and you know Not to get like majorly political or anything, but like that's the point of freedom of speech, dude. You know, is like you have to protect speech that you don't like and you can be offended by his jokes, but they're jokes and jokes should like in my mind should be protected. You know that like you shouldn't be taken down uh, or, or have a joke held against you. You know, like in that way, like it's it's one thing if he had made this joke today and then people called him out on it and he was like, well, fuck you. You know, like I'm not saying that you can just say whatever the fuck you want with impunity either. Like the court of public opinion, like I think when it's fair is like the point, right? Is like you're allowed to say whatever you want and people are allowed to react to it however they want. But this whole like call out culture i just don't i don't think it helps anybody you know i don't i don't think that it actually moves us toward a future where this kind of stuff doesn't happen you know like trying to punish somebody 12 years after the fact for a distasteful joke is like not the same thing like as like you know calling someone out 12 years later for a, a, an action right like assault. you said yeah, like a sexual assault or a fucking you know or, or a history of violence against their partners or something like or that. Or, or, or yeah, or anything, right? Like that's violence, that's action, that's stuff that is is fucking real. But someone making off color jokes in a different cultural climate is stupid. It's stupid. You know, frankly. And and I don't see who it benefits. And J, like James Gunn will be fine, you know. Disney is the only loser here in my mind, and we, the and audience, the fans, yeah, yeah, we're the losers. Uh, but James Gunn, someone else will hire him. He'll he'll work again uh, at somewhere that doesn't care.
0: Yeah, and and uh, the fact of the matter too is that you can expect to see this more you can expect to see this more this calendar year the last couple of years we've really seen an aggressive progression of this kind of thing and look I, I could understand somebody feeling weird about what he said okay pictures recently came out of him at a oh. A party where people were dressed up as, you know, nuns or priests, and some of the girls were dressed up as, like, younger girls, and those pictures came out, uh, and, you know, listen, I saw them, and they made me feel really weird, okay? and and, Were they, like,
1: were they, like, suggestive, or was it just, like, uh... Like a Catholic school themed party kind yeah, of
0: thing. It was the, the theme of the party was basically joking about pedophilia in the Catholic Church. Okay. Uh, you see them, and in the context of everything else, it's like, whoa, okay. Um, and, I, and I had a weird feeling. But here's the thing, though. Everybody is allowed to do privately what they feel like doing as long as it's, it's not harmful towards anyone. And you don't get to dictate what someone else is allowed to do based on how you feel about it. I agree. That's not the way the world works. and Not the way it should work anyway. No. What we're seeing, what we're showcasing now is a culture that doesn't have the ability to exert control over their own lives. And so... They're exerting control over other peoples because our society has now deemed that acceptable. And that's going to be a problem long term. But we are not, this is not the the podcast to break all of that down, right? We are not the the
1: sociology pals. Exactly.
0: We're the comics pals. And so by proxy of that, we are going to be discussing how this impacts the MCU going forward. What do you think this means for the future of these films? Uh,
1: I think it I think it's ultimately going to lead to what we saw with Ant-Man. You know, where we're going to get a, a probably a watered down version of of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 that maybe vaguely feels like James Gunn's vision but will be marred with other people's as well. Dave Batista will probably not be in it. Um, So that'll be an adjustment and uh, they're going to have to find somebody else to be the steward of Marvel cosmic and whether that's Feige just picking up that role again or him bringing in you know a new number two will remain to be seen but the fact of the matter is I don't I don't think it's going to be very good Um, I think I think it'll probably be fine you know because I don't think that Marvel puts out anything that's less than fine, except for the early additions to the Thor <laughs> franchise. Uh, but, you know, man, it's like the Guardians, as they are, are James Gunn's creation. Yeah. Uh, and the comics, the Telltale video game, the merchandise, every single thing that around the Guardians now imitates what he created here with these characters, that tone, what their personalities are like, their dynamics, that's all James Gunn. And him being gone is not insignificant. Uh and them if they don't use his script, uh it's it's going to be I think it's going to feel really fucking dissonant. And I think it's going to feel dissonant no matter what because a big part of James Gunn Is his directing. You know, like he's a great writer, but so much of those movies is also style and tone and vibe. And uh, I don't – I don't see somebody else coming and executing on his vision in that way because how can you? Right. It's his vision. And not to say that nobody else can make a good Guardians movie – but Guardians 3, the end of the trilogy that established these characters and who they are, is not the time to do it.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I agree with a majority of what you have said here. Um, It's uh, the biggest concern for me is that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 could still very well be good. I'm interested in what director they choose I think that's going to matter a lot yeah uh, I can't think of a long list of directors who are willing to come into a situation where they're working from a script that's already been written because I think Disney will use the script I
1: Rick. think
0: I think anything less than that would cause too many problems especially for a movie that is due in production shortly uh, you can't they don't have the time to drum up another script and hire another director and find a replacement for Batista because he will do his best to leave if they don't use the script. Yada, 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 right? Yeah, uh, I also
1: have a hard time feeling, thinking that they're going to want him in this movie at this point.
0: Oh, I, I think they're happy know. to have him in the movie. You think? think? Absolutely, because I think his critiques of Disney uh, ring out a lot less than James Gunn's fire. That's true.
1: I just I feel like they're such a image based company that the idea of them like having him in the movie while he's saying he doesn't want to be in it and like fuck them and you know this and that like seems a little bit uh I don't know, it's it seems like that would be something that they'd wanna that they'd be like, Oh yeah, we'll fuck you.
0: You know. <laughs> the, the Disney is clearly not in the business of throwing money away and people really like Batista. So yeah that's they, true they're not petty
1: and breaking the contract would cost them
0: money yeah they're not they're not going to waste their money on this uh, so the problem I think is number one James Gunn was one of the the more visionary directors Guardians was was the first uh, series I think that was truly something different. That offered something very unique.
1: Yeah, that broke the house style, as it were.
0: Yeah, and it and it's a big reason why we got Thor Ragnarok. A big reason why we got Doctor Strange. The way that they are. It's a big reason why Avengers three is the way it is. There's a there's a lot that comes from the Guardian style that James got influenced that we won't get anymore. Um, yeah, and I know he specifically had a lot of input in what took place. With the Guardians in Avengers 3 and presumably Avengers 4. So it'll be interesting to see what they're like even without him being involved. Uh, And then the last point for me is really his influence over Marvel Cosmic now is presumably gone. And I'm curious as to who they find to sort of spearhead that. Without him being present. Now I have read. Or if read they even do it. They're doing it because the Eternals is happening. Yeah. Uh, I I have read that there's a possibility that James Gunn could actually be hired in other capacities. Once like this blows over, consi- like a consultant EP kind of thing, maybe. Or I've even read directing another Marvel movie down the road. Mm. just that this project for him is over yeah that is not confirmed that is from reports so who knows where that goes take that with a grain of salt but i think the door on this chapter of james gunn's relationship with marvel is closed
1: yeah i it's, it's it certainly seems that way and i think for me the most interesting thing now is actually where he lands uh, more to, more so than what they do next, you know. Because Guardians Three is happening either way, and and no matter who's at the helm, it's 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 probably gonna be fine, you know. Um, and maybe it'll be good because the actors are still there; they still have chemistry. They're still, but it's like who knows? Like maybe this affects their performance, you know. Maybe like this, you know. We'll have to see. Um, I think at this point, there's not enough new information about what the alternative direction is for me to really speculate. Whereas thinking about where James Gunn goes next and what the next project for him could be is really exciting. Because uh, you got to imagine that they're, he's probably already having talks with big studios who want him to do something.
0: I'm not sure if he can legally. I don't know how that works, but... Uh Given that they're still in negotiations for his script and whatnot, I I don't know. I don't know how that all shakes out. I would. I
1: would imagine that there's probably like preliminary talks, right? Of like when this is over, we're interested in working with you. You know, like that kind of thing. I I imagine that there's already that sort of backdoor stuff going on, at least. You know, because like I imagine that. Even while they're negotiating for, like, his script, like, you know, like you said, the director conversation is, like, done. Like, that's not happening. So, if that, you know, contract is still being shaken out, like, I'm sure he can't formally accept work, but I doubt there's anything that says you're not allowed to even talk to anybody else. You know, like,
0: who knows? I've heard that Warner Brothers is interested in him, uh, and obviously that of course, brings up the idea of him working within the DC film universe. Maybe he uh, does Suicide Squad 2 and we... (laughs) And then it turns out to be good.
1: We get what that movie wanted to be the first time around.
0: Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I want to see that, him sort of just jump into another cinematic universe. Look, the reality is that for me, James Gunn didn't exist before Guardians and I'm not sure how much he will after the fact in terms of me following his career. I love what he did with the Guardians' characters, and I think that 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 world is brilliant, but I also love Marvel. So do I care about his next big idea that isn't in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I don't know that I do. Um, If it's something cool, then yeah. yeah,
1: I think you will. I think... You don't right now because we don't know what it is, but I think when we get the first look at what the next project is, if it's whether it's a DC superhero property, whether it's some other big budget thing or whatever, um, I I think it'll be a thing that will probably catch your attention at the time, you know, because I think the guy's good, you know, it's like before Guardians he didn't do a ton of big movies but uh I was a really big fan of his uh film Super which is like a uh, really interesting and kind of dark comedy like but it's it's all it's also kind of a drama like it's very strange it's it's good though.
0: James Gunn um, does dark comedy.
1: Right? Yeah. And it's provocative, surprising. Uh, but uh I I hope this isn't the last we see of him doing big budget stuff because I really like his indie work. But um, for me, both him and uh, and and Taika Waititi are, are both people who um, I'm actually really happy to see working on blockbusters instead of indie films because Hollywood is stale as fuck right now. And you need voices like theirs that are weird and, you know, or like your Guillermo del Toro's. Like you need weird auteurs. That can also make things that are commercially viable. Yeah. You know? Because I like weird shit, but weird shit doesn't sell unless you're a, f- a fucking pro, frankly. Yeah. You know? And, like... James Gunn is a fucking pro. He sold us a movie where the chubby guy from Parks and Rec, a WWE superstar, a fucking talking raccoon, and a tree that only says his name were the main characters. I don't I didn't list Gamora because, you know, uh, Zoe Saldana was already like a serious actress at that point yeah. and it'd been like Avatar and shit. She's already she was already a bankable name. Everybody else in that movie, either their character or the person playing them was like, what? And it worked, you know, and like uh, Guillermo del Toro sold us a fucking monster movie about romance that he was needed sixty thousand dollars for and made on twenty or million. I meant uh, those are the kinds of people I want to see making blockbusters, you know, that are making big movies because those are the things people watch, and I want interesting films, you know, yeah. and there's such a dearth of creativity. In Hollywood right now and like seeing a person like James Gunn uh, marginalized is like to the detriment of, of moviegoers
0: for sure so I think that's a that's a good place to wrap this conversation I'm again interested in hearing where you guys out there land on this very very hot topic uh, whether you're for his you know firing or against it Whatever your feelings, I'm, I'm interested in hearing them, and if you do write in with your thoughts and you are forest firing, uh, I'm endlessly curious as to why you feel that way, and I won't uh, ridicule you for your opinion. because Yeah, I would have a dialogue about it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, again, we are on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can write to us at the at gmail.com. You can write in with your thoughts on the stuff we talked about on this or any other episode of the of the show. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals all over social media. And last but not least, we're on YouTube where you can uh, leave us a comment, drop us a like, uh, share this video with your friends, and hit that subscribe button. It's free to do. And it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. So head on over there and do that for us. Um, smash um, that notification bell (laughs) hit the notification bell yeah so with that let's do some plugs pete
1: thank you guys so much for joining us here on another episode of the comics pals if you want to get some more content from me you can catch me and sean on our sister show the video game pals which posts the day after the comics pals on podcast platforms and the same day on youtube Uh, So go check that out if you're a gamer. Uh, It's a good time. You'll probably like it if you like this show. And uh, there's also our Let's Play show, Pals Play, Monday through Thursday, um, where Thompson and I are currently playing Detroit Become Human. Uh, We're going to be starting up some new games in the weeks to come, though, so make sure you tune in for that. There's a ton of stuff around the corner, obviously, like we talked at the top of the show. Spider-Man's on the way. uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Lots of fun stuff that we're excited to dig into. Uh, So go check that out if you are a fan of gaming. And uh, if you want to connect with me on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at loud underscore Pete. And uh, remember, you can go support Kale's Kickstarter for his horror anthology. Uh, we will have a link in it down below, and you can follow him on Twitter uh, and Instagram at Toto in to. That's
0: T-O-T-O-T-O-T-O-T-O. There you go. Uh, and I am on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Soapbox, where you can hit me up to talk about Anything you want to talk about, because I'm open to it all. With that, we're the Comic sign signing off. Take care, guys. You can find
1: Marco and Phil in the description below. Bye. See you next week. I love you.